0: The email came out at 7 o'clock and I was not selected for it. And I remember lying face down on the bedroom floor and I cried my eyes out for hours.
1: What is it about hockey that turns you on?
0: I think I love the danger. I got in there I lost an eye. I'm still playing. They manipulated me as like a left forward at the time, passed it round me, made me look like I was a training (laughs) poet.
1: Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Getting Back Up with me, Anthony Ogogo. Today, I'll talk to a legend of British hockey. He's a two-time Olympian. He's a legend, a goal machine, described as one of the best goal scorers in hockey history, Sam Ward. He suffered a bad eye injury. He came back, but nobody gave him a chance of coming back. Enjoy this one, listen to it, learn from this great young man. Sam Ward's the gold machine. (laughs) So firstly, thanks for coming on the podcast today. This is called Getting Back Up, where I talk to people like yourself that have achieved amazing things in their lives and their careers, but only after suffering so much setback. And I've done a lot of research in you. And, mate, what a story.
0: Yeah, I think it's, for me, it's an interesting one. Like, having lived it day in, day out, I will always sit here and say... It's easier when you live it, but I'm glad I'm not my parents because I can't imagine that some of the things they've seen in the last three, four years has probably been a lot tougher on their side when they think they can't help you. Of course. To, to how it is when you live it day to day.
1: Our journeys, mate, are so aligned. Like, what happened to you pretty much exactly happened to me. So personally, I want to know what you did and what I didn't do because our journeys, we both our left eyes. We both can't see our left eyes very well. Um, you're sitting here, I think, what's it, two, three years on, after your injury? You're sitting here a much happier man than I was three years after my injury. And I want to learn from you. I've got the utmost respect and admiration for you and your journey. So uh, with that being said, take me back to little Sam Wood, growing up as a kid in the, in the early to mid-90s.
0: I think I was uh, from a very normal background, uh, back up in Leicester. I was looked after. My mum and dad were incredible people. They did everything they could for me. I was that little cheeky chap carrying a bit too much timber, and yeah, I hated school. Um, yeah, I think what um, I, I wanted to do was, I'll be completely honest, sell things, and,
1: and that's all I've ever wanted to do. Can you explain that? What do you mean by that? Sell things? I just, I always like. I've got a friend of mine who's a proper del boy out school he literally took things in his backpack and sold stuff do you mean that kind of thing
0: if you could have got me to school then yeah i'd have been selling things <laughs> at school but the bigger issue was getting me there uh i was the king of the radiator put your head on the radiator saying you got the temperature that was kind of how i did. Uh i just love sport i just wanted to be playing sport all the time I, I grew up i'll never forget one of my one of my early memories was uh 5 a.m in the morning playing cricket in the lounge when my dad mum's still asleep upstairs bang crash wallop Dad, I've just straight dro- straight drove one. I think that's, that's English. Uh, pumped it into the picture frame above his head, struck down straight on the top of his head. Dad's a bit, a bit struggling. I'm like, what is going on? And I've just managed to somehow drop a picture frame, and smash it on dad's head at 5am in the morning playing cricket in the lounge. That kind of summed my, uh, my love for sport up. <laughs> um, yeah, and um, moved kind of areas I'll never forget. I, I ran away from school, age 12. I'd, I'd plan my route for days. Um,
1: you planned it. I'd plan you my meditated. Route.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'd plan my whole route. Dad dropped me off uh, at the spur gate. I went in. I waited till he drove down the road. I made a run for it down the road, out over the over all the fields. I came home knee deep in my uniform, in mud. Uh, and as I ran onto the drive, Dad pulled back on the drive. Oh, I was, man. oh, no, I've been caught. I've got going to school <laughs> sure. to discuss. You didn't, didn't plan it. How old are you? 12? Yeah. You didn't plan it very well. No, no, no. I didn't. I. I well, I, I'd, I'd succeeded. What I wanted to do was just go home. Um. But yeah, and then, and then obviously you have to deal with the uh, the facts of, um, of obviously why
1: you wanted to run away. When you said you didn't enjoy school, that surprised me because you're very personable and you're really likeable. And like... Like that, you, you emanate that kinda of same energy. So I'm surprised that you didn't like being in a place where people would like you know, be around.
0: Yeah, um, it's a weird one. I think because obviously like I'd say that actually I looked I kept myself to myself, weirdly enough at school and i was very quiet i sat in the corner and i worked and i actually looked like i worked really hard but i didn't i just kept myself to to myself and everyone bit when when exam results came out and people like he's gonna have done great and they're like how's he done so badly he's just sat in quiet and looked like he's worked really hard all the time and i just wanted to play sport all the time if i could play five if i could have five p.e lessons a day i'd have done that i got a sports scholarship aged 15 to go to workshop college in Nottingham, and uh it was one of those jokey things as a kid. If you, if you were a naughty kid, you were told you were always going to boarding school and now actually you've got a sports scholarship to, to go to a nice, nice lovely school. Uh, and I'm not gonna lie, I, I loved being at home. I loved, mom and dad are amazing. And I just, I just loved their company and I loved being around my family so much. Yeah, so I've got one sister a couple of years older than me and uh, she, was, she was brilliant. She, very smart girl and um, straight A's at everything. There's Sam coming in with two GCSEs, um, so a bit of a different story, and probably, probably, uh, yeah, mom and dad are like, "What happened to this one?" Um, but I'd say it was around 14, 15. I went to boarding school and I hated it. I absolutely hated being away from home. I hated having my so life. That, this
1: is a this is a sports sports school where you play sport most of the time. Well, normal school,
0: but I was on a sports scholarship, okay. so therefore, yeah, workshop college, big private school in Nottingham. Um, but yeah normal school and everything but I had to be a boarder because it was an hour and a quarter hour and a half
1: away from home um, what's that like because I'm I'm, I'm I'm working class they come and I don't know anybody's <laughs> trying to board school. what's that like that's, that's, is, it, is, it, is it mixed boys and girls or just boys
0: yeah so obviously boys and girls school we were at uh, obviously you've got your divided um, boarding houses and everything but it just wasn't for me I, I hated I, I looked at time you're stuck and you look like schoolmates at night time and in the morning and you don't get away from them and, and this was my point like guys around you were great but I, I love my free time I love being able to go like especially now obviously I go and play golf all the time but at that age obviously when I lived at home I'd be out every night just at hockey whether it was my sister had county hockey training and I'd just go and whack a ball against a fence or whatever I had a school football match and all that. I was playing sport every night being driven around playing sport I now go to a boarding school and at five well, what was it it was seven till nine every night. You had to be doing prep. You had to be in, in your room. And I just felt like a caged animal. I was like, why wow. am like, I? I just hate it. You missed the freedom. I missed the freedom. And I missed just... The time of being taken around, playing sport every night, uh, yes, obviously you played a lot of sport there, but you still obviously it wasn't a purely sports school, so you still had to get grades, you yeah. still had to do well. Yeah. and for me, I just hated being away from home. I missed my family, so much it it resulted in me just trying to trying to go to the sick bay all the time and be like, "I'm unwell." Anyway, that was kind of that.: They you did your trick and it's working it, did, working. it did work when they had an actual thermometer uh, <laughs> And uh, that was kind of that that first year and it was I, I, I lasted about a year there I did last a year but my attendance wasn't fantastic and I just that was a challenge and I knew that my parents had done everything as well because it was a scholarship and they still got to fund some of it and you've being given this opportunity but it all came to head we had a summer holiday and uh, and it was about three days before the much term and uh, I was having horrendous night terrors I've always struggled with them I pulled pulled the wardrobe down in the night on top of my head and I was hiding and, uh, oh. and yeah, and fine, as in, like, pulling the wardrobe down, but it kind of all came. You, you constantly did, you knew you were doing... That. Yeah, like... It wasn't, you weren't, like, uh, sleepwalking, you knew you were... doing. So I was sleepwalking, yes, so, like, a night terror sleepwalking, but there was obviously something behind it that was on my mind, and it took quite a bit, and I, I knew I never wanted to be going back to boarding school. I'd be given this opportunity, and it was kind of the thing that I felt that should be done, but... I walked downstairs the next day and spoke to mum and dad. And I said, "What? Listen, what do you think's going on?" And I said, "I just can't go back." I remember breaking down in tears, crying my eyes out. Brian, some writing some letters to the head of hockey, the head of cricket, to be like, "Sorry if I've let you down, but I literally, I just can't come back." Um, the next day, we we went down to to the local school uh, to to Rawlins in Corn near near Loughborough. And, yeah, I uh, got me into the school. They said to me, um, we'd like you to go back a year. So we'd like you to be in the year below. We want you to start your two GCSE years now. And Sam, who wasn't the biggest fan of school, turned around and said, no, I uh, I, I just want to get this done. I want to leave school at 16 and, and that's it. And I want to get in the big, bad world and start working, really. And I love playing hockey. I love I loved." I'd seen or already did bits and bobs of working uh, for my mum at the time in, in the shop, in, in a hockey shop, and I just love selling things, and I was like, you know what, I just want to sell things and get to 16, I can now legally leave school, and, and we'll go from there, really, and that was kind of the early days of kind of, of of what happened for me.
1: This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Ogogo Fitness. Ogogo Fitness is my brand new fitness app I'll be launching really, really soon. I've created this app, so I truly want to help you people. I believe everybody should have the right to exercise and be fit and be healthy. I've brought this to the world to promote physical health and mental health. I've designed 60 preset seven-minute workouts ranging in difficulty from round one which is pretty easy to round 12 which is really really challenging. As well as that I've got my personal workout building. I've created 50 different exercises And you have the choice to create your own playlist from the 50 different workouts, which gives you an option of over 80 million combinations of workouts, 80 million. So from the Agogo Fitness app, you can literally choose from millions and millions and millions of workouts personalized for you and what you're training for. So head over to agogofitness.com, register your interest and be the first to know when Agogo Fitness is launching you spoke about my tears you had to always have do you have them still now to this day
0: yeah uh and they uh they they became very very bad
1: uh what i'll talk about later on um okay. after the incident okay for well, do you, it takes a lot for a you 15 16 at the time it takes a lot for a kid to admit that and speak to his parents and say my mom i'm, I'm struggling i can't I can't do. That. I that's full respect for me from that. It takes a lot, takes a lot, a lot to do that. So I've got all my, all my respect there. Um, hockey. So you're here now as one of the top, top, top centre forwards in, in in world hockey. When did that become your thing? Did you did you love it, or were you just good at it? Was it a way out of not doing school? I think it was a
0: combination of all sorts. I mean, I, I sound a bit mixed mixed and a bit jumbled at times, and I am. I, I fall out of love with it all the time, still, still now on a day-to-day basis. But deep down, I do love hockey, and I think that is, it, that is one of those things. I dreamt about being this great hockey player all my life, but as I kind of talk about it now, like I played junior hockey, and I lived the dream when it came to hockey. I was under-11 national champion. Under thirteen, under fifteen, you were 15. good. You
1: were good from the beginning,
0: and and that was it. Yeah, I was I was I was very good, but I was also a little fat kid. So during all of this, we got to fifteen, sixteen. I'm still banging in goals, playing to like regional hockey. England coaches just turned around and was like, "Not fit enough, not fast enough, little lad, never getting picked for England." And that was kind of what I was told, and you'll never kind of make it. And uh...
1: what did I do to you back then?
0: It's not cool. Brutal, you can imagine. You kind of straight away, you're instantly, you're not taught how to deal with that, especially back what we're talking 16 years ago, nearly now, you you know the world was a different place and mental health was very different and how people viewed things. So actually it'd be very different, I think, if you're in the situation now, but, but I'd say, yeah, I I remember just feeling like, just so deflated and uninterested. And actually after around that 16, 17 kind of, I just stopped playing. I had a lot of like, growing pain, struggling on my knees, I didn't really play hockey for a while. I played a bit of local league football um, and that was kind of that. And, and I actually really enjoyed it. And then you get to 18 and you enjoy a few shandies and, and you have a good time. And actually, uh, just uh, when I was 18, um, I got a chance to to go and do a bit of driving for the local car dealership. Uh, we knew the owner and he said, oh, I was basically looking for a, for a job and that was that. I was half on reception, half in sales admin and kind of worked then actually for the next four and a half, five years in variety of roles some some normal car sales, fleet sales and different bits and bobs and kind of worked my way up and through, uh, which was amazing. But it is one of those things, again, that was a different part of life where you just got to take your chance when you're given it. And I think that's probably kind of what has kind of got me to where I have today because I had the challenges when it came to sport, but then also... You, you've kind of you've, you've had your setbacks, but then also it's just when you do get given a chance, give it everything you can. If you can walk away at the end of the day, look yourself in the eye now, in the mirror, and go, you know what? I did myself proud today. Then, then I'm happy. And so, just to kind of backtrack in the middle of this is I had um, obviously 18, 19 selling cars and decided to go back. I got a phone call from Beeston. Say which one's a Child of a Club. Um, and they said, oh, do you fancy coming back and playing? So I went back and played for the men's t- second team. Uh, and then about three months later, I, weirdly enough, got um, a phone call on Saturday night after playing for the two saying we've got an injury. Will you play tomorrow for the first team? I- and what league is it? So team. the first team is Premier League, okay. uh, Premier League of Hockey, same as Premier League football, okay. but without the wages. Um <laughs> complete equivalent as that. And uh, I've finally been given a chance, like, so after all this kind of setback in the past, I all of a sudden have gone back to playing hockey and three months in, I'm kind of getting given a chance to, to play for... You obviously have this
1: natural ability, which is like undeniable.
0: I basically, ironically enough now, we say it now, but I am now I forgot. It's as simple as that. And before I had two of them, now I've got one. Hopefully I don't score half as many goals. Uh, and I went back, played for the twos. Um, I still was a, was a stocky lad, age 18, not that same size i am now but i was i was i was stocky not that fit and kind of are you fast yeah i am ironically enough i have one of the worst running techniques you've ever That's seen a
1: five, ten yards of rapid right? but i'm
0: i'm a shuffler i don't yeah. put my feet up it's very weird we laugh and joke about it all the time and um so i went back i obviously got picked for this went back to hockey got picked for this first team game I, I, I got a phone call from Zach Jones who was our beasting coach at the time ironically enough he's currently England and GB's assistant coach so I'm back working with him again what 12 years down the line which is a bit crazy but absolutely amazing and um, he, he called me on Sunday we went down a couple of boys got stuck in traffic made my first team start uh, obviously hockey's a bit different you, you have um, rolling subs so you can play in and out all the time um, but started had a good game played pretty well considering our first ever time Surbiton were like the the top boys at the time um and I'll never forget it walked off got gone in to get some teas and whatnot and uh, I got called over by him and and the uh, manager at the time and uh, we actually the year before a qualified more beast in the club had as um in Europe so it's called the EHL it's the Champions League of hockey and uh, they were like uh, you know we we're going to Paris next week to play a couple of games uh, any chance you can now come which was pretty incredible. Uh, I'm like, yeah, of course, great. So... They will we'll get a time off work. Yeah, so... No, cool. <laughs> yeah. no one's answering the phone at work. What's going on? You <laughs> need to care about that. So kind of make sure I can get it off work. They were amazing, as always. And uh, I I went to play in Europe the following week, so I went out to Paris. We played against uh, Leuven, a Belgian side, and Paris Saint-Germain. So... Got there and I didn't expect to play actually because I was like, oh, new to, new to it all. Played both games, unbelievable experience. Probably not many players have played more European games than they have first team Premier League yeah. games either. So that was a pretty cool start to my career. And, and it just kind of escalated from there. I um, had a good season that year and the following year. Um, I then kind of fell out a bit of love again with hockey, but I was at what was it? I was 2021. 20, all my mates who I knew from growing up were loud. At this
1: point, sorry to bite you. At this point, you're playing for a Premier League hockey team, a Premier League Division top team. You're what? working at the car dealership. Like, what as a young man, we like to go to the pub, have a few beers, buy some nice clothes, we have a car. And like, what money are you kind of like earning? Like, how are you getting by? Is there money in Premier League hockey? Is there is a there... so no. no? So obviously, I was earning the money with work. So my bread and butter living was
0: earning my wage at work. I was addicted to cars. I was just, I just took hockey for enjoyment. And the amount of times, I am not going to lie, I got to a Thursday evening and was like, I don't fancy training. I need to pull out or whatever because I'm just too tired from, from the week or I've had to work late or whatever. So it had those challenges. And weirdly enough, about 2021, I decided I was going to go and play for Loughborough University. Well, I obviously wasn't at university, but their side are in the Premier League at weekends, so therefore yeah. I can play for them at the weekend. Okay. So you went there, you got your gym membership, you got your support and everything, and I'd still say when I joined them, I was probably burning a candle at both ends. I used to go out on a Wednesday with all my mates and the uni boys, and then go to work for eight in well, the next morning, kind of thing. And I, I did burn, and then we'd go straight to training in the evening on the Thursday night. So, so it was one of those things where probably finding the balance would have been better. Um, but it was around 2021 20, when I was there that kind of, there was a bit of a click in my head that I was kind of, I got a few, I got a like an England under 21s kind of trial. Uh, I didn't really want to go. I remember actually pulling out of one the night. Alcohol. Um, I just didn't think I was fit enough. And I actually, reality thought, I'm a bit closer than I realized, but now I want to go and make a change. So I, I decided I was going to change my life then. So at 2021, 20, I decided I would get up every morning. I spoke to the boss. I was actually now doing fleet sales, so obviously small working hours on Monday to Friday, so I could still play hockey and whatnot. And uh, I would get up every morning, half six, go to the gym, seven till eight, straight into the office, bang, work till about four, and then often we'll go back to the gym and stuff, and then obviously other training as well. 21, you were on it. And I decided I was gonna try and make a change. I think because I'd, I'd kind of been given given a chance with some trial. I'd been given some England Under 21 trials, I got like a bit more support, I now have people also to to help you and guide you i had a i had an SNC coach who was getting up every day and meeting me at seven a m and, and giving me like the best opportunity and so
1: like other people's belief in you kind of like eventually kind of like you know it was you absorbed it and you felt almost like accountable you like there's your responsibility to do it for them almost
0: yeah definitely I think if you've got people there with you and Actually, they believe in you, Why can't you believe in yourself? And also, I was scoring goals, I was doing well and everything. And it kind of just all tied in and you were kind of like, this is, this is, this is kind of what I want to do. But also, like, let's not get my hopes up again. Like During this time, I decided to go back to play for Beeston, okay. uh, back to my childhood club. It's a lot to this. I went left, went back, left, went back, left, went back. Bit all over the shop. And 21-22, went back to Beeston. Well, start the season, absolutely flying, scoring shed loads of goals. And people started talking about it. Like, this thing, this was, like, around 2012. Obviously, never played England still for anything. It's just after the Olympics, kind of. And, like, obviously, you knew there was going to be a new cycle start. Everything refreshed and kind of had, had England grabber in trials after this. And I kind of got invited because I was doing well in the league. Anyway, I'll never forget there was a trip going to Australia. And I... And basically went to these trial days and we were told we'd find out on the Friday night at seven o'clock. And I'll never forget it. It was for this trip. Um, there was like a special nines format, which never became a thing. And then a champion's trophy. And I don't think I've probably ever shared this, but the email came out at seven o'clock, I think it was, on the Friday night and I was not selected for it. And I remember lying face down on the bedroom floor and I cried my eyes out for hours, Twenty-two. I was like, this is really that is it. It's like the door is closed. Like new cycle, twenty-two odd people been selected, completely new. No one from the old one going, yeah. and I'm not even in that. So this is this is it really. Um, and I kind of I was I was mortified, but just like you know what, I'm just gonna tick along, keep working at work, and keep playing so, some stuff till the end of the season, and kind of see how it
1: goes. That was a massive setback for you that, that when you're twenty-two and. Was that like your first big, major setback as an adult? Yeah, probably around then. And I
0: remember ringing Dad. And there's a, there's a lot of stories where I ring Dad and end up crying. And it's like, what's going on, Sam?
1: That's what I is still about. I, uh, I, I, I love that relationship between you two you've you got.
0: And But both of them, neither of them cared what I was doing. And I think this has probably helped me through my whole... I've never been peer pressured to do anything I didn't want. I remember saying, I'm going to stop hockey. And I did for a year or so at 17 didn't care, nothing, whatever makes you happy. Yeah. And that's how they've always lived by it. And it was the same. Like, obviously, there was nothing they can do when they knew I was mortified. But they're like, we'll be here for you. But there's nothing really to say to help me. Dad probably said, I think Dad actually said, let's meet or we'll go for a few beers and we'll we'll, we'll put it to bed that way. And and that's probably how I used to deal with things in a more of a way. But i don't go in and have a nice time. And yeah, I was upset. But, and I always had great friends around me as well. Um, so... That was kind of tough, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to see out this season. This was so. This was, yeah. As I said, twen- like December twenty, 20- twenty two. Uh, I think it was around then uh, that th- that kind of happened. And then we kind of fast forward a couple of years, just playing club hockey and still scoring loads of goals, loads of goals, and doing pretty well. And um, and then it was Christmas twenty twenty three, and 13. in. 2023, 20, 20. 2013. Wow. I was 23. It was 2013. And around November, December, there was a uh, indoor Europeans coming up for January. So went down, did a lot of selection days, worked amazing, giving me time off. And I basically got picked for England Indoor for the A division, uh, which you're playing at uh, likes like Germany, who had playing for them like a guy called Mo Furster, who was nothing but like a hockey legend and he was playing, you're playing against all these people, and the week before, you're selling cars, and 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 life's very different, you're actually sat there going, wow, this guy that you always used to watch on TV is now playing against you, so absolutely incredible, but I went to that tournament, I scored 11 goals, I think it was, in about six or seven games, and you do score a lot more goals indoor, but considering I've never played international hockey, I was, I was pretty happy about two weeks later, just before I was going to make a decision about that, because it was also the end of the club season, uh, I decided, to check my emails a random old email account that I hadn't used and the head coach uh, that I hadn't used probably for two years and the head coach had emailed me basically inviting me to join the program mate that's crazy and that's crazy it's so strange and it was a, I remember it because it was just a random email address I didn't use anymore
1: and that random just take, why did you check it well,
0: yeah day, I was right? like it's well why am I checking this like that. and it was like it'd come I think it had come like two days before but just going on and, and seeing it was, was crazy and I'm now i am now obviously been invited and out ran my mum and dad, told them I'm I'm lying, I'm at work. I'm like, what do I do? Like, do I tell them, do I not? Like, whatever. So I went home, spoke to mum and dad about it and I'm not gonna lie, I was like, do I take it, do I not? And there was, there was half of me, I was 50-50. Did I take this chance to, to go and be in the England programme or not? I was still a chunky lad, I wasn't that fit. I joined the programme and I did my hamstring every two weeks for about, Six eight weeks
1: because what the the intensity of the
0: training, intensity of training, and I probably couldn't quite get out of my car salesman lifestyle. That Friday Friday training session finished, I'm going to go to the pub. Saturday Sunday, and I'm going to go back to training on the Monday. Who Uh,
1: inspired you going up?
0: Oh, parents. Like dad, dad played, dad played. Mum and dad met playing hockey. They played the same mixed team together, and I remember going and watching every weekend, watching play hockey. Remember, dad used to score goals for
1: fun as well. And so, Gert, I was going to ask you, like, I don't know much about hockey and everybody, really, I played it for them every one time in year six. And I quite liked the little slashing durac, you like know, a little, little stick. I quite liked it. So, you very much had the uh, the blueprint made out for you by your parents playing and, and stuff. So the different, I
0: was bred into it basically. And that was kind of why it was, I've always played hockey. And and that was probably like, it's the same as other people. If their parents were into football, they often get conjured kind of, It And also back then, I remember going to school, and, I, and I, I'll be honest in saying this. Now I remember getting bullied because I played a girl sport. Really? Yeah, you played girl sport. Played girl sport. Well, no, nothing is like at the end of the day, everyone should have the equal opportunities to play sport. And and then I remember like you'd go and you'd go and play PE at school, and you'd end up playing uni And then um, and then it's obviously just not hockey in a nice way. And then people would be like, "Oh, you're you're terrible at hockey." Blah blah. blah. It's like. Actually, that age, things like that are quite hard to hear when actually you're out of the weekend pounding away, screwing goals for fun. It's a bit different. Um, I think so that obviously some of that stuff affects you uh, in some ways. Is
1: that why you kept yourself to yourself, do you think?
0: Probably, yeah. Because obviously everyone always thought, oh, you you played this sport that, that wasn't meant to be for, for males and it's far from that. And I think that's why I love our sport so much is because it is for everyone. And, and it's incredible. And that's one of the best things about our sport overall. On hockey, let's talk about hockey for a
1: minute. Like, what is it about hockey that turns you on?
0: I think I love the danger. So I'm the world's worst bloke when people currently talk to me about safety of hockey. i got in there I lost an eye. I'm still playing. And I love it still. So therefore, when people talk to it, yes, there's an element of go, I don't want to see this happen to anyone else. And of course I don't. But there's also a side of me that I'm obviously, I'm not wired up right. And I just love the thrill of getting whacked by a ball. If I didn't enjoy getting whacked by a ball 10 times a day, I wouldn't turn up to training at the minute. Because I do, it's just constant, a barrage of ball. If you train for a couple of hours a day, at that level we do, you're like, balls come flying in at quick speed and they are just hitting you. But you just shake it off and crack on. So there obviously is an element of the thrill and the danger is something I really, yeah. really love. And when people talk to me about, oh, if
1: we took this away, it would be a bit safer. I'd be like, yeah, I wouldn't be that interested in playing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And There's the fun in it. Yeah. I get it, mate. If you're talking to somebody that totally get it. Every, they say in football, like goalkeepers are crazy. That's, that's, that's the little thing. I think mean, like boxers, we get punched in the head all the time and come back for more and seek better sparring partners that are bigger, stronger punch highlight. It's like, and you want it more. It's a similar kind of And that's the mentality, isn't that? I think that's the mentality of somebody that wants to be great. They keep pushing themselves and stuff. It's a fast game. And I'll be well fast, man. It's like when I've been watching like, like clips of, of, of you and your injury and obviously your goals and stuff, it's so quick. It's a fast, exciting game.
0: I, I, think it's, I think that's what is fun about the game. At the end of the day, we can self-pass, which I think if they brought into football would be amazing. Imagine if instead of rolling around for five seconds on the floor, you could get up, tap the ball forward and play on like the speed and how much the ball, it is not probably the best sport for television because it's too fast. Yeah. But, and you need so many cameras, yeah. but if you turn up and watch, people come and watch now um, and go, oh, wow, it's next level. And this, how fit you have to be. Yeah. It's just
1: next level. What makes a great hockey player? Not me. <laughs> but you've got the eye for goal. So this you, is, you've, got, you've got the thing they say in football all the time, like, the strikers get paid the most money because they've got the hardest job putting the ball in the back of the net. You've got that ability to do so. Um, I've heard you say you're not that talented, not as talented as other double people, but you've got that, that, that almost god-given ability that wins matches, right?
0: Definitely, and I'm willing to dive and get in. And 90% of my game is bravery and my lack of fear and my willingness to do the hard game. You can't put a price on that. No. But... If you put me in amongst our squad and said, go and show off your best tricks, I'm not sure just ploughing through the guy in front of you is, is, is a trick, but it's what I do. And the amount of times we talk with some of the staff, they're like, okay, we're going to run to space. Well, can I run through that way? And it's not that, it's just my way is to, to go the most direct way. Yeah. And actually I'll get a little lift that goes through and I'll run onto it. And
1: I'm more of a chip and chaser. In good debut, you'd be the world number one team Hadn't been there in years and years. Um, away from home, you scored two. And got man of the match. Man of the match. Amazing feeling. I just, you've got something. Like, there's something, even just not knowing anything about uh, hockey, and hearing you talk, you've definitely got something. Like, you've just got something. There's something special about you. You've got some, some aura where you can go to. Because most people in their England game, England debut, against the best in the world, they shrink. But you have that thing where you grow. I think I was just there. so clueless to what was going on that yeah, day. Yeah, but the least, no, I think there's, there's been. You know, we'll come on to If I spoke to myself
0: again, I obviously would have been, I think, even more like, wow, what an occasion. But I do think it was simple things like singing the national anthem for the first time. I was absolutely buzzing, you know yeah. what I
1: mean? And How big did you feel? <laughs> I was already big. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, I felt double massive. Uh, <laughs> double massive. A double massive.
0: But yeah, an amazing feeling. It was just incredible, and 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 that was kind of stop. But I got the taste, and that was just what I needed. Did you like training? Did you like the hard graft? I absolutely hated the gym and running, so it was really hard. And now I have a complete reverse, and I love it. I absolutely thrive off it. I also got nutrition advice. Never forget, walked into a nutritionist. Obviously, as I said, my skin folds weren't great. We're now putting in a plan. I remember having to, having to keep a food diary permanently of everything I ate. And I actually wasn't eating enough calories and my body was just storing the fat and then I couldn't train as hard. And that was actually what it was. It was like, you're going to four meals a day, you're going to do this. I was like, yeah, but I'm a fatty, and now I've got to eat more food. Like, things just didn't really, anyway, it was like, just trust the process. Trust About, the process. I reckon 10, 12 weeks later, I was, uh, I was nine or 10 kilos down. So yeah, a stone well, and a I was about- in- you Yeah. yeah. About- <laughs> and I was I was I That's was when I wouldn't in- looked at it, I was just it was like all puppy fat, but actually I was carrying a lot more than you realise. And during that time, I lost weight, I got fit, I went back, I went back, I never forget my first session back. Said so first session back, useless, following week, get taken to play against Germany, who were one of the tactically best sides in the world. They manipulated me as like a left forward at the time. Passed it round me. Made me look like I was a training cone. <laughs> and I remember every video meeting. A training cone. We just well. The following week we've got Olympic qualification selection, and now we're getting to about April May in 2015, and um, and we got this trip to uh, to Antwerp. It was. For selection, and I luckily got given the chance to be like, we know, like you'd had about two sessions back after X amount of time, you're not very much into Just come out here, give it your best shot, and see how you go. Well, I went out there, scored a few goals, and I'll actually, I'll never forget it. We landed back on the on the Friday night. I got trained straight out of London to back to Leicester. I was, and I was on the train. It was midnight, and we got the selection email for the Olympic qualifier. And I remember sitting there and just literally my heart sank and was like oh, my God, I've been picked for this. Mm. And I was like, this is it. Like, the hard work was worth it. And actually, from that moment, I've been pretty fortunate. Like, I then kind of lived the dream. I've been picked for a lot of things. (coughs) But that was kind of, that was the base to my career, I
1: would say. And those three months have turned me into what I am. Yeah. That moment of getting an email, was at the best, at that point, the best moment of your career? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You're being picked
0: for for Olympic qualification tournament out in Antwerp. It's going to be amazing. Your first major tournament, really, um, and big tournament. And a lot, of, a lot of the following year relied on it because if you didn't qualify, you were, your funding could be gone, everything. So it was quite big. And that tournament was, was amazing. Never forget it. We qualified, we, had, we played Pakistan, uh, we beat them 2-1 um, that day. And it was incredible. And then kind of you progressed. I think we we came third in that tournament beat in India, 5-2, I think, or 5-3 in the bron- in what was the bronze medal
1: match. Yeah, but on the way to the tournament, but it got you into it, and that was the main thing. At that time, you know, Sam comes into the uh, to the GB squad, England squad, GB squad, um, early twenties. Uh what are you like around the boys? How's you changed? Because have you I know you're I look at you, right, and I get the sense you're kinda of like a a poor gas that's Ronnie Sullivan kinda of like you're a maverick, you do things you're very outspoken, you're you're like a bit of a I dunno, you're a maverick. Right? you of a savant in, in, in hockey. Like were you always like that when you joined the squad? Were you a bit quiet, were you shy? Did you revert back to your school days or have always been you? I'd say I was very quiet early on in my career days. I think
0: people knew I had it in me to To be a bit out there and whatnot but yeah probably early days was was quiet and growing into the environment i'd say uh but then obviously to to play and be how i wanted and i have battled with my own emotions for a lot of my career and i still probably did until i got a good kick this year as well um i want to be loved and i want everyone to care about me but also when I play hockey, I can't be that guy. And I and that in a dressing room is quite hard because people have to accept people like me, but I realise that your intentions are the right way. Palat emotional intelligence, I would say, to try and find that middle ground. And it's only at the moment where I've worked very close with the current head coach and psych to say, you'll be loved for being the Sam Ward who is because you will, help and succeed this way. But also, they know that you'll be the first to go and pass me for a coffee, go and sit and have a chat, How's your day? And actually, now people understanding me and working hard on those connections is probably what has changed things for me so much. And the realisation was probably came during
1: the eye injury. I want to talk about the Olympic Games because obviously, um, I want to kind of get through to the eye because we're now kind of like organically kind of getting to that point, which is which is great... But the Olympic Games, 2016 Rio de Janeiro. Wow. Talk to me about that, mate. You qualified. You got the... Um, so you to the qualification. You'd be very excited to be in and you're third. you qualified. What was that moment like? Incredible. I will never forget still to this day, also, like, the selection
0: email date. Um, weirdly enough, I didn't want anyone around me. So I decided to drive to Cherwell Valley Services... Off the M forty, classy, and sit there and wait for the email on my own. I didn't want anyone around me. I didn't want anyone. If there was disappointment, I didn't want to tell anyone. I didn't want anyone to know, and vice versa. It was strange. I still reflect on it as why, and wait. I changed that for the next time. So
1: you you qualified in the tournament, but that didn't mean you were definitely going to go. You had to put no. the email. That so yeah, sense. so so sense. we qualified in I think it was May twenty fifteen.
0: Selection for the Olympic Games is until. June 2016. Oh, mate. 11 months. Yeah, 11 so 11, to, no, to 13, I think it was. 13, 19, 13, June. Yeah, 13 months. months. You have Jesus. got to now perform well, keep your place, prove your
1: worth it, in, everything, don't get injured, you name it. That's what you've got to do. When you got the email, you're sitting in the little services mm-hmm. on the M40, which I think is hilarious, by the way. When you got it, what was your initial reaction? And I say that because... I had the most brutal qualifications in the Olympic Games. Right? It was horrendous injuries, this, it was horrible. And I boxed this Georgian in a remarkable fight. I came back, from six, it was, it was, came back from six points down in the last round, never ever been done before. And then when the ref put my arm up, I thought, I dreamt about that moment. I dreamt about it. My whole life had been a Olympic game. There's was the only the thing I ever cared about, the Olympic Games. And I thought, when well, I fight, I'm, I'm going to do it. Backflips, I'll be doing like all this mad shit. Break i cutting breakdance. And then when he did smile up, I was like, yes. Okay, cool. Like, it's weird. I thought, I'm now well, I always should have been anyway. It was a really strange feeling because, like, it wasn't anticlimactic. It was still amazing. But, like, I just thought I was going to be all like, over the moon. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm, just, I'm just now where I should have always have been. Yeah.
0: So, for the kid that, sold cars and never expected to be in this position. And two years before, theoretically, from that selection email, I was just leaving selling cars to now, to now being there. I, yeah, he sent shivers down my spine. I instantly just burst out crying. I ran my parents to tell them uh, and it was amazing. The feeling was unbelievable. The glow on my face, I can imagine. I drove straight home all the way to Leicester to see them. It was amazing and yeah it felt so good because i'd achieved something after all the hard work and being told so many times you'd never make it all the rejection that was it but this was reality that you were made that this was everything in life and then it was an absolute shower it was horrendous it was i put my life and soul into this i'd now got given a dream chance i got we got to rio i'll never forget arriving you're in this village we're there early We're the first team in the village i think we were because we've got to climatise, I think also not many sports are in from start to finish, whereas we, ironically enough, should have been. And we kind of had a day to soak it in. And then it was like, nope, focus now. All about the hockey, all about the hockey. And I think we actually, in that tournament, like strangled ourselves with just being so focused on the hockey. We just weren't enjoying the now. And we'd gone into that rank fourth in the world. We, We bombed out the group stage we were shocking. I flew home two days later and I sat in a dark room for two weeks. Oh, really? And I now, it's one of those when people ask, can I sit here and say I'm proud to be a double Olympian? Yes, I can. But can someone ask me about that experience and say, did you enjoy it? It's just tarnished because I gave everything for what I thought would be so incredible. I stopped drinking for nine months. I didn't do anything. I, I, I screwed up relationships and friendships because of, of that. And actually, you sit there now and go, wow, the things I didn't do or enjoyment, and it just wasn't worth it. Yeah. And now it's finding a balance. And I came home, I'll never forget. I, I flew home, I paid for a flight home, I got home. I sat in the room, and I just couldn't leave the room. I just couldn't, I couldn't face people. And I finally left the room uh, a while after. And I was obviously struggling. But during this time, the girls had gone and won gold. And you're back in the local area where everyone trains, and I remember walking into the local cafe and the first thing someone said to me was, wow, the men were terrible, the girls got gold. I walked out and I just didn't want to face anyone again for weeks. And it was brutal. I, I hid behind it for a long time. Um, I was so unhappy. I, I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. I didn't want to go. We actually, I played for Holcomb time when we were flying to Hamburg about two weeks later and I tried to pull out to not go on the preseason trip. I got made to go, and I just spent three days in the pub. Was it the disappointment? Was it what? 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 What hurt so much? I think I just thought I'd let everyone down. Like you let, let everyone down. yeah, like no reason. Like on reflection, no, i I'd, I'd, I'd done well. I'd scored goals. I hadn't. I'd played pretty well, but for some reason, I just could not understand why we had done so badly. I couldn't. My emotions were all over the shop, and I just, if you're ranked four in the world, and then, then you're basically. 10 to 12, like, you feel you've let everyone down that supported you, and just because you have put everything and so much into it, yeah. you kind of felt worthless and, per- like, lacking purpose. And also, your life was based around this, and now it was done. It was a bit of a non-event, and I just didn't know how to deal with it, which resulted in me, obviously, seeking help. And it was actually, in the end, I think a doctor spoke to me for one of the doctors' Bisham and went, I don't think you're okay. And I actually spent a fair bit of time Visiting the, the priory at Woking, and even that again, going and getting help and support was incredible. But it was only on the last day when I knew I was done that I ran and told my parents I'd been going, and they were like, "The news is something," because at certain hours, for every second week, for
1: X amount of time, you would just not contact them more or whatever. And so, was this was this your first, your first battles with mental health. Your mental health after was it after Rio?
0: Yeah, massively.
1: And because of a disappointment,
0: yeah, and I think the was there. yeah, and I think life had gone from just you grinded every day and you put everything in to now having. I just felt like I had no purpose anymore, and I couldn't focus. I couldn't. I just didn't know where to go. I I genuinely felt. I got to the point after when I was started going going out after Rio. I was training three to four times a day. I was going to the gym, running, coming home, going to the, back to the gym, doing weights, going back to. It. I was focus i was weighing myself 20 times a day just like i was just mentally not okay
1: i just didn't know how to cope can you so you're talking mate and that's that's hitting me in places you can't imagine like that feeling of like being lost and feeling worthless i went through that i had to retire from boxing and my whole purpose in life was gone and i I didn't get it i don't understand what my. I, i thought i was born to be a boxer and become world middleweight champion, and I could not imagine life where that didn't happen. And then my dreams were taken away from me, and I really struggled. Can you talk to us about the the process of like you came back from Rio, and you you sought help. You entered the prior. Who told you? Who recommended you should go? And what are things you struggling with? And what did it help you with? And if you don't mind sharing yeah no
0: i completely i still and it's really weird because i still i think i just needed to talk to someone about what was going on and i think this is the thing like i don't think i overly had major issue i just was scared that i was male and talking about your emotions was frowned upon and that's how i felt and you didn't feel like you wanted as close to you after so many people, you never thought you wanted to put the burden on anyone else, and actually, that's why. So the doctor was the person who spoke to me about it, and said, I oh, team doctor, yeah, team doc in the end." And we, I kind of went to see it, saying I wasn't happy, and he said, "Yeah, I think." And I went, "Yeah, actually, yeah." And it was almost like because the person I was speaking to, I didn't know, I wasn't being judged, so therefore it was okay to say whatever you wanted to them, and it was it was really strange, and actually. It was only after going through all of this and just basically, it was just major disappointing feeling you've let people down and just not being able to kind of calculate your emotions. But it's the fact you were talking to someone that didn't know you and no judgment felt like it was being made. And I can imagine how many people feel like that now. And and actually just, now I just talk to my mates about it. I just pick up the fight or I, or I drop the psycho message and just say, feeling like this. And the amount of times you get a message back that just says, I understand. And you're like, yeah, okay. And also like, when I've spoke to someone, I feel like it's half, like someone else knows. And I don't know, just it always felt like the weight was lifting off your sh- shoulders because you'd shared it. Yeah. And I don't think they ever did anything that that made, the, they never did anything that was groundbreaking. I think yeah. they just listened. Yeah, And that's, just sounds so strange and so simple. But that's now where, when I speak to people about so many fits and bobs to do with mental health, I'm like, just please speak. And the amount of people I've got friends now that I'll message and go, I notice people's behaviors now. I notice what, how I was. I was aggy, I was snappy. There's certain behaviors I've got friends that don't do their hair when they're not feeling right, Sounds silly because they're worried about pets, And they're the most person, pr- pr- personally proud people. But all these little signs and stuff you can pick up in people. send a message you okay yeah I'm fine no you're not yeah are you sure you're okay yeah yeah are you no actually there we go and I think a lot of it now comes in the fact that being able to help people because you've been through it and you've understood your signals you can now ask people questions and the amount of times it comes out sounds silly but you go after a game you sat in the park with your mates and you go are you okay and "Yeah, yeah, yeah are you no what's going on talk to me talk to me and actually, you then pick up the conversation a day later or whatever and say, "Look, I'm here for you. if you need a chat do and and, and that's how I feel the big change and yes, having gone through that made the eye so much easier to deal with because I've learned a lot about myself yeah. that the I taught me to very different yeah,
1: uh, when I started going to um therapy when I was tired from boxing, twenty nineteen uh So, I I hurt my eye in 2016. I had nine surgeries on my eye over three years to try to get back in a ring. And it wasn't to be, I went through a real horrible legal dispute with the doctor, did a lung surgery, but they were in favor of them because of just legal, just legal stuff. So, I lost everything. I lost my career. I lost my my passion, my job, my dream, everything. And then when I started going to therapy, I knew my wife is like, she supported me so much. For three years, she held my hand and she supported me, and she was Jewish. Was, she could have been any any better. She's like, you need to get some help. And I thought, no, I don't. I'm fucking. I'm me. I ain't got to get help. i I'm to talk something i I'm about like, I've got it got covered. And I started going to therapy. So in 2019, and then I counselling all over. I liked. I, I just. I just. That's it. I just. I told this lady who is very qualified and very good. I told her what I wanted to tell her. I told her the story that I told her this story and I was the hero of my story. I was the hero of it, right? And I was like telling her like the story that I wanted, that I wanted to pretend was real. Yep. While be, and i got nothing from it. I come back, like, my missus would say, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm basically cured. I'm basically fixed. I'm healed. And then it wasn't until about six months later, I had a huge blow up and I was really upset and I was, I was depressed. And I was this whole time... I was I didn't want to believe it I didn't want to tell anybody I didn't want to admit it to myself that me a boxer a fighter a warrior was depressed and then I went back I saw somebody else and I was like hey this is this 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 is me and I just went and told her everything warts and all all my bad points the worst 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 points of me aspects of me I told my therapist and I still see her to this day she's amazing and like I've learned so much and I'm way happy I like me I also I had a I I went to go see my wife my wife's mum. Um we had a weird chat and she said to me, I can I'll never forget this, she said to me, do you like yourself? And like I thought it was a really silly question. I thought, of course I do I'm well, fucking me, like I'm the best of this and the best of this, and am funny at this, do that. Like I can do everything. And I was about to say, Of course I do, what well, a silly question, and no words came out. I just couldn't speak and I'm not a speechless person. And then I thought, Fuck. And I don't think I do. And I was lying to myself all this time. And then I saw proper help and I was very honest with myself. And yeah, like you said, mate, like often they don't they don't get a wand and do anything magic. It's just talking, right? It's just talking and just and just like you said, halving your own problems and realising that actually you haven't got a lot of weight on your shoulders. Like, you are a, a good person or kind of person. You are, you are enough. And sometimes I never felt like I was enough or for boxing to find me and it doesn't either find me. And I just think you're, yeah, I just think you're really, really brave for for that. Um, anyway, back to you, back to your story. The never Games, 2014, you said it was a shower. Um, so, now we're getting to the, to the bit that you're probably most well-known for. Yeah. Um, for good and or for good, good and bad, good. Talk to me about twenty fifteen and up to present day, all the ups and downs and twists and turns that kinda of like encompass this this crazy
0: crazy time. So yeah, so we're obviously we spoke about obviously Rio and the Olympics and I came out I reckon I'd say about the middle of twenty seventeen, I I'd say I, I came out the other side of it and and I started and on the up, we won a bronze medal at the 2017 Europeans. Uh, I remember we beat Germany 4-3 in bronze medal matching. Kind of things were on the up and I was in the dream of scoring goals. We went to the Commonwealth Games in 2018, uh, Gold Coast. I said it would never be beaten. Best experience of our life. What a place. Uh, top goals in the whole tournament. And, um, just absolutely tore it up. Flying in life, everything incredible. And kind of that kind of just carried on um, probably until, I would say, November the 3rd, 2019. November 3rd, 2019, you walked onto Hockey Field and my life, life changed forever. forever. For the first time ever, it was a new, an Olympic qualifier again. Um, new qualification system. You basically played a two-legged game. We're in London playing against Malaysia at the Olympic Park, um, and I think we I can't remember the exact scores. Had a bang on the head since then. Uh, but we were, we we're winning quite well on day one. I think, well, maybe three or four won, but we just needed to go and put the game to bed early doors on the Sunday. Um, so I think I, I got badly fouled in the first couple of minutes, won a penalty stroke. Teammate took in, scored. I scored a really nice goal, shot from the baseline, normally quite frowned upon, uh, but scored a lovely goal there. A little chip, right? He's literally you have shot on the baseline, chip. a little dink over his shoulder, oh, beautiful. Mate. And then uh, scored a penalty corner early in the second half. Basically, we've qualified for the Olympics. We're living the dream. I am flying. I'm running around. Home, I'm the home crowd, full crowd, going mental. 20 minutes to go. I'll never forget it. Ropes gets the ball. Shoots. Keeper makes a save. I was at the near post. Decided I'm going to get to the far post. And teammates trapped it. And I know him really well. He's a close mate of mine, absolute legend. Uh, and he's more likely to trap it and push it a goal. I was like, do that. I'm going to get to the far post and I'm going to basically try and just guide it if I can get in front of the goalie just in because it's going to be a quick snapshot. He traps it and absolutely whacks it. And I have not thought about that. Um, he's struck me square in the left-hand side of the face. Um, he has sheared off my eye socket apparently I've obviously kind of still standing semi tried to get out of the way dropped to the floor I've now tried to get up as quick as possible I've kind of it felt like three seconds from getting hit to being pushed over I was being pushed over by the doc and the physio I think they're definitely been putting in some sprint work for this because how they got on that quickly I don't know um, they're pushing me over and I'm like, I'm fine, just get me off the pitch. They're like, we need to check in that. We need to, you've been struck on the head. So I'm very aware I've been struck on the head but my parents are 40, 50 yards away in the crowd. Just get me off this pitch. Like I don't think there could be anything worse as a parent. Can you imagine blood is flying everywhere out of my face. You're lying on the floor. If I'm down there for a fair few minutes, imagine sitting, watching that. I was like, just get me off. I remember standing up being given by the physio like a piece of gauze to like apply loads of pressure on the side of your eye where the cut is so we know nothing that's going on right now so i am forcing as much pressure as possible on this cut on the side of my eye (laughs) while making little yelping noises and saying i can't cope i'm getting lightheaded just get me off quickly i've walked off with their guidance we've got into the uh medical room inside we've got the doc in there with me, the physio's gone back out in case anyone else gets hurt. And the performance director, he's sat already. He's somehow come out the stands, got down, and obviously realised that things aren't great. He sat there on the bench waiting for me. Anyway, on this bench inside this room. And I've, I've walked in, sat next to him. And I said, first of all, I can't see. All I can see is blood through my left eye. It's Fuzzy as hell. I feel dazed. Quite dazed. And he just went, Don't look in the mirror. Obviously, instantly. Stand up, look in the mirror. I've just got a whole indentation of ball shape in my head, but everywhere else is swollen. My head's massive. And uh, I just said, Text this number. As you do. I'll never forget it. And I said, I don't know whose it is, mums or dads, but just text it and say, Sam is fine. That's all I want you to do. Anyway, he does it. Um, he then rings them and says, He's all right. Anyway, they in this time have managed to get out of stand, try and get round. The security in the building won't let them through the back end. They're like, My son's been smashed in the head, like, let's get into. They've had nothing but major issues getting through, apparently. Um, luckily, one of the uh, event staff knows mum and dad and would like to the staff land through quick. Uh by this time they wheeled me into an ambulance. Sat me in the ambulance. I just remember looking out of the ambulance door as mum and dad have walked down the stairs up to me. i never forget. I gave mum a big hug. And mum, you can imagine, wow, looks absolutely broken. And dad, mum steps out of the ambulance. Dad steps in, gives me a big hug. And I just say to him, I will be fine. Like, I'm still standing. I'm good. Doesn't matter. I will be fine. He says, sure. Said, yeah. And that was enough for us to have had that Kind of, acknowledgement, I'm fine, but since obviously I found out they got straight in the car, drove two and a half hours, both cried their eyes out the whole way home, not a clue what's going on. I can't use my phone, I can't see. Um, I'm all over the shop. I've decided to start record. You say you can't use my phone. I can't see properly, but I've managed to learn how to video. So I've sent the video to the whole squad while completely on another planet, I must have been. Um, from the, from the drugs or the yeah just I think a combination of both in utter shock I remember a FaceTime with George Pinner who, he's at, who was the GB gomber at the time and he also plays on the club side with me who's like are you alright mate obviously realised the back the ambulance oh dear no like we're shouting at each other we're going to the Olympics that was kind of that conversation and that was that uh, off we trot to the uh, to the hospital Um I remember then starting to struggle. I had really had any pain relief. They wanted to get me to hospital. They were like, look, we need to get him on some strong. He's in agony. Like, get him in. Uh, I'd been pre-warned because of my humour. Staff have been working a long day. Probably don't need to hear any sound or sarcasm right now. Uh, nurse walked straight in, first comment. Probably shouldn't head a hockey ball, should you? My instant response was, you don't say, do you? Doc, our doctor turns around and went, that was what I was talking about. So I'll never forget it. And I'm crying with laughter like, she deserved it. And uh, Doc was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that one. Probably a silly comment. Got whipped into a, to a scan. And uh, I'm now obviously, I'm morphined up. I'm, I'm getting some pain relief. I'm chatting absolute rubbish to everyone. And apparently I've come out of the scanner and Doc's like, what's he done? I'm like wailing with laughter. I think it's the world's funniest thing. I'm now finding it so funny that I've just said, does it look like a car car brush? They're like, well, actually, yeah, it does. Your face is in numerous pieces and quite funny. So I think it's really funny now. It's not funny at all. Doc, we've been whipped away into a side room. Doc's come in and said, look, like just a pre-warning. You might have to have emergency sur- surgery tonight because someone's on their way. They need to check your eye if it's a risk of losing your sight, you're going to have to have emergency, emergency surgery. Anyway, they came in and they said, no, we think it's all right. We can't see what's going on behind the eye because of swelling. In the middle of all this as well, they've had to dil- uh, dilate the right pupil. So now I am fully blind for a see, bit, yeah, yeah. quite entertaining. I am getting the doctor to go on my phone, hold the voice note and I'm leaving voice notes to reply to you all sorts of yeah, people, yeah. can't see a thing. So also I'm chatting, absolute rubbish because I've am um, i obviously, all I'm asking for is a McDonald's. I've sent the team managers now has gone to try and find me a McDonald's and come in with a local sandwich. And what well, we don't, sandwich. which we don't <laughs> really what I let, down? What I let down. which now I'm upset about, slash not like kind of really angry, yet gives it me. And then we realize that actually I fractured down here. I'm, I'm like, my jaw's floating and moving. Well, obviously I couldn't buy it because it was broken like just below my nose as well. Like there was so many fractures, so many places. Um, I basically then have a full night in a hospital, which was the weirdest night. The guy next to me was chained to his bed to police. murder like, it was crazy. There was a guy came in. I actually wasn't having a nightmare. A guy was stood at the end of my bed staring at me. I had to keep pressing the red button. I don't know what him, but he'd come in at like 2 a.m. I obviously can't sleep. I am all over the shop. Just sat upright. The boys are out celebrating. So I'm just leaving in voice notes, chatting rubbish. I've also now have thousands of WhatsApp. So I've decided 2, 3 a.m. in the morning, I now can see again. So I now think to the right, out my right eye because they, they, that worn off. So, so I decided that now was the right time to reply to every man and his dog. Uh, interested night, up all night, and then basically got like whisked away to home the next day in the afternoon. So kind of, I would needed all the swelling to go down before I had the surgery that obviously was to remove my face and repair everything. Um, so pretty wild, 24 hours. Um, yeah, it's just mixed emotions. Probably was being told that everything would be all right. Like, I was like, I really can't see out of my eye, but they were like, it will drop out. You just got to sleep upright for six, eight weeks, and hopefully it'll gradually drop out. And even the early doors, the fluid was. So went back, uh, stayed with family, friends, actually. They looked after me um, in Marlow to make sure I've got people around me full time. Just didn't work make sure that someone was on duty full time had surgery came around i was in for only a day i came out the next day obviously you can imagine 31 staples over the top of your head stitches all the way down Ev couldn't go anywhere everyone wants to stare at you i'm obviously like just like it's just normal it's on my head everyone who looks is like oh my word i obviously put it on instagram people are like this can't be real kind of thing and i was living it i was i was fine i was I was finding it quite amusing. How have I at this point? was your vision? So this is a bit, like, fluid had dropped out a bit. So I lost full central, obviously now, with a slight bit of peripheral out here. But it was just, it was still just horrendous. Like, I, it was useless, like, completely not. Not enough fluid was dropping out. Anyway, when I went to see Professor Holmes in the follow-up appointment the following Monday after surgery, I went in and he went, surgery superb I've done look I've rebuilt you look you look superb and I was like I know it, it's great like showed me all the pictures amazing So like thanks so much I was like you do know I can't see though and he looked at me and I was like I can't see he was like oh, what do you mean I was like no 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 I can't see what I've done so like, okay that's not my department but we'll, we'll whip you across so they whip me across to the other side of the hospital and I remember being taken into a room they're like we're going to scan you your eye in a second so anyway taken into this room and this Chat was soulless. He shows me two pictures. He's like, here's good eye, here's bad. It's like, good eyes, like beautiful velvet sheets, like half smooth. And this literally looked like someone had got the other picture and just put, put a knife through in the middle of it. He was like, this one, not so good. I went, anymore? And he went, like, no, go and sit outside. Anyway, this couple of minutes before I was waiting to see see the doctor again was like, felt like 15 years. It was a couple of minutes. Anyway, I got put in this room and uh, physio was with me at the time had uh, come for the follow-up and sat next to me and doctors started speaking in obviously full medical terms and it just didn't sound great but I was clueless. I left school at 16, got two GCCs, um, clueless to what was going on and I just said, can you put it in simple terms what's going on? She's like, yeah, you've got to tear straight through the back of your retina you won't see it again on that eye and I just said, thanks and I, I cried and I stood up and I walked out and I said, that's enough. I walked out the room Picked up the phone to my dad. I think my poor old physio's probably never been in this situation. Probably career over kind of bit like situation. Ring my dad, cry my eyes out to dad. I, I ring uh, on one of best mates. He leaves work and he's meeting me where I'm staying, a uh, family friend's house at the time. He, he somehow, I rang to tell him I didn't know and he literally left work and was up there before I even got back. i got a two-hour Uber ride home. I couldn't face ringing my mother. There was something about her and I don't know why, I just don't like giving, no one wants to give their mum bad news. And just to tell her that I'd never see her again, I just couldn't do it. I said, Dan, bring mum. He was like, Are you sh- sure? Like, can't you do it? I was like, No, this one's not for me. I'll ring her later, but I need to. I sat in the car on the way home. I cried for two hours straight, and it was just, it was just brutal. I just didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know where I was. It was just, I was lost, and no one knew what to say to me. Because we just didn't know what was going to happen and yeah it was it was a brutal week i i went and faced the squad and told them what had happened uh and then walked out the room um we at that time thought i was done then the bbc got wind of it and announced my retirement why i was in bed asleep sleep one day ironically enough I, I i it was during a test series england versus new zealand and uh I decided to stay up till 6 a.m. because I had nothing better to do. life. So then was fast asleep the next morning. Didn't get up till 11 o'clock and I'd been getting phone calls from half eight. BBC had said injuries forced him into retirement. Well, I hadn't officially, I've got head coach, performance, sorry, Evan ringing me like, have you retired? So it's like, no, I've just had some bad news last week and it's obviously gone out. Um, so that was a pretty brutal week. Had basically yeah. did interview after interview facing up and I'll never forget during this time, I obviously people were like this could be one of the greatest comeback stories ever. And I did a BBC breakfast interview at the time and I got texts a few hours later and it was one of our good mates, Ollie, and a couple of them. Ned had a phone call behind my back, apparently. And uh, he said, meet me for lunch later. So someone's gonna have to drive you. I couldn't drive at the time. So like, someone's gotta drive you, but just meet me for lunch, we need to talk. And he spoke to me about it and he said, look like I'm actually a bit worried you believe in the hype right now like can we just settle, settle views down and this was kind of where I realised about family friends and how close some of your mates were and how much they've been there for me but also willing to have honest conversations and that was kind of a big reality check to think you know what I, I can't I've got a kind of if I face reality here that I will never play again anything else is a bonus and that was our way of dealing with it um I didn't do anything for 12 weeks I had as much as I speak about having a pint and enjoying a pint, I'm now not playing hockey. And I had what we called beer fear at the time. I got taken to the pub three times. I got a pint and I didn't dare touch it. And I was like, I'm on soft drink. And I was so scared because I was like, I have no control of my left eye right now. It's horrendous. And what happens if the right one goes fuzzy? Like, this is my life and soul. I've been sat having conversations. I'm now having night terrors because I've been told that my right eye, basically what they were saying was, if you play again, you risk getting hit in your right eye, you're then blind. Completely, and that will affect your whole life forever. so now this is so protective. Well, I'm now having nightmares every night that people are throwing darts at my right eye. It was just brutal, and it was a real challenging like twelve weeks. I needed time to grieve and accept what happened, and that nothing was really potentially on the cards, but this was this was potentially it, but let's let's kind of accept it, have some good times. And then we'll talk about things in the new year. And and I went in to meet Physio, who I hadn't seen for X amount of time. The one that spent all the time, I think the last time maybe seen me, was um, was actually when we found out about the eye. Um, and we sat down, had a big chat, and we kind of discussed options. And playing again wasn't really on the cards. And it was after a half an hour discussion, we were just like, yeah, this is this, this is this, this. And I went to stand up to walk out and she was like, going to give it a go? And that was it. Something in that kind of, are you going to give it a go that day? Just changed my opinion on everything. And I went, yeah, let's do it. And we sat there, sat back down. We drew a map. I'd obviously had 12 weeks of actually like first six weeks, obviously eight weeks I struggled about having a beer. But after i had, but during that time, I'd eaten what I wanted. I hadn't trained once for 12 weeks from a full-time athlete. I'd eaten what I liked, then gone back to enjoying Christmas, drinking what I liked. I'd put on weight, like wasn't in great nick. And I basically had to get fit before we could even give hockey a go. Yeah. Um, and it took a lot of work with KTI psychologist to kind of realise and set targets, we say, of what was realistic. And actually those small baby targets we set and that anything was a was like a big bonus probably changed my career from that day.
1: So they, in that moment said, right, let's do it. Let's give it a go. And you're obviously, your physio, uh, physio and your uh, psychologist did a great job with you. Talk to me about the sitting there saying, right, fuck it, let's give it a go. To actually get back on the pitch, those, it was 12
0: weeks, right? It was, so to to the game, to the first game was 12 weeks. So I got back on the pitch, I think after about five or six weeks. So it was quite, I, I actually rehabbed away from vision because I couldn't actually face it. So I um, I was lucky enough to be supported by um, Fox Hills at the time. Um, nice golf club, resort and spa and everything uh, near Ottershaw. And uh, they looked after me and let me go and use their gym full time. Oh, um, so it was amazing. But the best thing was I didn't have to go to Bishon, Yeah. which was the bit I couldn't face because I couldn't face any other athletes. I just didn't want to see them. I mean, 100%, 100%. And actually, look, they also went away to Australia and New Zealand at the time. They went to some pro league trips. So... It wasn't necessarily a thing, so the staff weren't even in either, so it was great. I could be local, pop down, do my bit of rehab and stuff. Well, day one, I got on the treadmill. I ran for two minutes, I got off, I went sat in the corner. And I sat there and I thought, why am I doing this? I had no guaranteed outcome. Like, if you're injured and you know that if you go and run for six weeks or rehab for six weeks, but you know you can play hockey, it's fine and it's your job. But in my head, I was like, I'm going to get to six-week time and I just can't seal trap the ball and I'm all over the shop." And that was a challenge. But something in there 10 minutes later, I picked myself up and that was it. From, day, from that day, I gymmed, uh, I gymmed around every day for about five, six weeks. Um, and then that earned me the rights to be allowed to go and trap and hit a ball. Um, I went back to hockey and early on... Slow, bouncy balls. Literally, my stick wasn't in the right postcode. Might as well have left it home. The ball was rolling into my feet, doing all sorts. You, goes, you, the couldn't ball. The visual you just couldn't take depth. depth perception of anything. If a ball was me, you were semi-okay. But as soon as the ball was moving, you were, yeah. You had to have plenty to kind of contrast it. You had to f- concentrate so hard. And I was like, there is not a chance this is happening. Anyway... It just got better and better for a few weeks. And then I actually made uh, an appearance in a friendly. and I'll never forget it. We played against Sue in our big rivals. I played a a big, uh, we played a friendly on a Thursday night. And this ball gets thrown aerial, basically where they throw over the top, like 60 yards. And I've had no depth perception. I have somehow picked this ball one-handed on the reverse stick. It now makes sense because actually... It's a lot easier on reverse stick for me now because that's got my right eye at the front, so it tracks it better. So that is, if, if not even better, because now it's so strong and well, whatnot. Oh, yeah. But at the time, and everyone's like, wow, he's back in here. Um, and that was kind of it. Like, I was nervous because that was still was only friendly. I could still dip in and out when I needed. And actually, it wasn't until a couple of weeks later we played more proper. And I played at Surbiton again in my first league back return. I was playing in these weird goggles at the time, not a mask. We, didn't, we weren't that far ahead of what, of what to do. Um, I scored an equaliser with, I think it was about six minutes to go. They were top of the league at the time. I think, yeah, I scored an equaliser, celebrating the most ridiculous way by covering my eye. And it was one hell of an emotional day. Hockey not followed. The BBC had come to follow the day. Um, it was just one hell of an emotional day. But that was like the first box ticked of the return, but there was still so far to go to make an international comeback. Yeah. Um, And probably, weirdly enough, COVID was horrendous. But that time that those six months bought me actually is probably where I am now. Yeah. And the time I spent during lockdowns, catching balls off crazy nets, doing things like that and retraining the eye to depth perception, was probably what made all the difference and the Olympics being delayed by a year because I would yeah. not have been a ready in 2020. Mm-hmm. In 2021, I was. And actually, my international return took 18 months. Um, and I'll never forget it. We went out to Antwerp to play. I think it was April 2021, maybe. Uh, yeah, it was. and uh, Or March, maybe. But it'd been 18 months. That's all I know. And uh, I went out played play the first game. And I wasn't, I wasn't ready. But I also haven't played, that. other boys have played international hockey in between that time. Probably, far from did myself any justice. Jokingly, having spoke to an assistant coach since, he said, apparently the head coach at the time said, I think he's done after that week. Um, which, probably right, I, I, was, I was way off it. But also, if you have 18 months out of your international sport, you're not going to win the top of your game. But that was kind of that and I actually, I'll tell you the truth at that point, I was not far off being done. I nearly retired. Uh, and I felt, why did you not? What stopped you? Because I still hadn't achieved something that someone else hadn't. And something burning in me was like, and this is, this is where we'll flip back to it. I, I, I didn't like the Sam. who I was before the eye. And as much as people say to me, the eyes are rendus. I wouldn't change it for the world because it's changed me as a person and I'm a better person. If someone said, would you give every penny you had to get your eye and your vision back? Yes, but the whole experience and what I've had to live with and deal with, I would not swap for anything.
1: Wow. Wow. I mean, you're literally articulating my thoughts and my feelings. I'm the exact, that, that, that exact same. The person I become, way more humble, you actually said to me, (laughs) your exact words were, and I wrote it down. You said, two-eyed Sam is a wanker. One-eyed Sam, yeah, he's all right. And I love that. And, and it's true. Like, and when I say
0: it, I mean what I say for the fact that I, I obviously have come from, I've come from a very normal background and I've been looked after and given everything from from my parents and they've worked every inch to be able to support my whole career. Of course they have. And they have followed me wherever they can to watch me. And my friends have been amazing. But I got to become an international sportsman out of nowhere. And I don't think some people are prepared or ready for that. I now am doing great. I'm scoring loads of goals. And I just think I got too big for my boots. I thought I, I, thought I was the greatest thing since sliced bread, probably. And I just didn't make right life choices at times. My, And this is an example I use and it sounds so silly, but I remember like, I said I'm going to home to see mom mum and dad for the weekend and on Friday night I got a text to say she fancy see pub. I ended up going out going smash, and so smashed and never going home. Sounds really simple and but you never know what's around the corner like what happened to me. And these people that have done everything for you, that's just disrespectful. And that's what I did like. Like, And friends that did everything, and you probably took it for granted. And actually, yeah, there's obviously also the flip side to it. You learn who your mates are and everyone who supports you. And I owe them the world right now for how friends... People drove two and a half hours just to spend an hour with me when the I had happened. People drove wherever and just looked after me. And I, yeah, I can't repay them for it. But on reality now, it really proved like, yeah... One-Eyed Sam has learned a lot about himself and this is where I say I've become more self-aware and emotionally intelligent around things. And now I hope that I give back to people and show, show how much they've done for me and I can now, that's why I'm back there. I'm, I'm, I'm playing hockey again because those people that looked after me, I owe it them to go and give my best shot. I, I had a jokey hashtag for a while that hockey is life and hockey is far from life. Your friends and family are what matter. And I think the I taught me what really mattered in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact I had everything taken away from me, really overnight at one point, and we thought that it has changed my whole perspective on the day-to-day life. And I want to do everything I can, whether in the team dressing room now or whatever, to make everyone as happy as they can be as well. And hopefully I can show them i'm 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 not a pleasant hockey player to play against i'm I'm open I can accept that now for for numerous years of my career I couldn't cope with people saying "You're horrible, you're this," but that horrible person I don't think was off the hockey pitch; it was the one on it, but I mentally and emotionally couldn't cope with just being opposite ends of of the line really and they were so different characters and then they just didn't work together and then when you try to if you got a bit of <coughs> angry Sam hockey animal when it will cost Sam combined with wanting to be really loving you kind of ended up in some like mismatched middle and I think I'm getting to a point in life where people I'm comfortable in my own skin now Yeah. and I love myself and this is one of the things if, some, if you said to someone, do you love yourself? Then answer in a different way to what, what you want to mean. I want to hear everyone loves themselves. Because if you can't love yourself, then, then who can you love? Mm-hmm. And that is the biggest thing it's taught me about now is, is, yes, I love so many people. I do, and I want to be there for them as much. But I'm way better for, for loving and understanding myself as well. And that means you can share the love.